Lasting competitive advantages tend to be things that are not easy to replicate or to imitate. And today we're going to dive into competitive advantages that are right under your nose that you might be unaware of. And the perfect person to talk about this is Brian Kramer because he is really passionate about this and knows all about these competitive advantages and how we can all unlock them in our businesses. So Brian, so great to have you here on Cash In On Camera today to talk about this topic. The thing that I love about competitive advantage in this discussion is that it can be something, again, it's so unique. It can be so unique to you, or at least you want it to be unique to you. Tell us a little bit about your viewpoint on competitive advantage. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me here today. This is absolutely wonderful. I've been looking forward to this. And competitive advantage is such an interesting term because it throws out this feeling of challenge, like you're challenging another human being or you're challenged by. And so what is your competitive and how are you going to be competitive in this nature? And, you know, I suffer, we all suffer from this syndrome that I don't know if I'm the originator, but it certainly hurt something that I think we all suffer by, which is terminal uniqueness. And we create from where we are and who we think we are. And we are unique. Each and every one of us has a unique story to tell. And we have our own backgrounds and we see things from different perspectives. It's really super important that we stay grounded in that, that we stay grounded with our terminal uniqueness and do that while not having too hard an ego or taking it to the point to where our terminal uniqueness creates friction with who we are as people. So that's the balance of what we all face. But I think competitive or being competitive is what we all face. And there's nothing wrong with that. Having competitors is what drives us to get better, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, do you view competitiveness as being a bad thing? I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, obviously, it certainly spurs competition and things of that nature, which can be really good in a marketplace. You want there to be, I think, that kind of play space or sandbox, so to speak, to play in. I think it spurs people on to be more innovative. I think it makes us want to be more innovative in how we do things too. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, remember back when Apple, Steve Jobs just took over for the second time and, and Apple was struggling. And the first time that he went on screen at the major event, he had behind him Bill Gates in a giant screen. It's because he went to Bill and said, I need your support, I need your help in order for Apple to survive. Microsoft of all companies, I need your help for Apple to survive. And he invested, they invested in Apple and they really needed to, they didn't have to, but they needed to in order to create a um, pool of success around them to have a competitor or to not have any competitors is no good. I mean, look at, you know, whether you like Elon Musk or not, he opened everything around the autonomous driving cars, everything is public domain. Now he could have taken everything that he invented around the electric car and actually patented all of it and not opened it up, not given all the other car companies access to all the patents that he held and held it for himself and created a car company that was standing on its own. But he knew that in order to grow and scale, he had to allow other companies in. And he's super smart about that. There's other things we could argue that he's not smart on and we won't go there. But there are things that you look at with all these giant companies that invested in or created in the competitive advantage. And that is healthy where it's not healthy. And close with this is when we compete with ourselves 
to the detriment of ourselves. And we focus so much on ourselves that it starts to really deteriorate who we are, who we think of our, you know, in terms of what we believe we can do. And we slow down or we get overwhelmed or we get too tired because we just feel like that's a huge mountain to climb and how are we gonna ever get there? So there is a mindset that goes with that, but that's the downside of it. So the H2H that's behind you, see the hashtag, hashtag H2H. If you're listening to the audio right now, Brian has a beautiful background behind him with this hashtag. I'd love for you to dive into what the meaning of H2H is. Yeah, H2H is the is human to human. It is in 2014, I stood on stage. It was not the first time, but it was an incredible time and a very neat time in my life when I was honored to stand on stage and keynote at Bloomberg West in San Francisco. And I had the right audience, right timing, right everything, and talked about that there's no B2B or B2C, it's H to H or business to business, business consumer. It's H to H, human to human, that we are all selling to humans at the other end. And that's still true today. In fact, it's even more true today than that day. That day, when I did give that, that keynote, it sparked something in the universe of social media, which was new back then. Believe it or not, it's we still all remember when social media became a thing. And it got over 24 million impressions in 48 hours. And so we quickly put all the writing that I had done over the last few years together into a book and self-published it in four days, which became a international bestseller. And the reason I think it resonated so loudly and still does say with, you know, look at artificial intelligence and augmented reality and bots and the list goes on is because we, at the end of the day, are the people that are creating the tools. We create the tools. The tools do not create us. I would say that again, that we create the tools. Humans create tools. Tools do not create humans. And we set the standard. We set the engagement and how we humanize things is really super important. And so as we start to look at what those things are, there are ways that you can break down what makes something more human versus less human. And that's what we gravitate towards. I'm sure you gravitate towards things that feel more in your heart because you identify with it. You don't identify with what a robot says or what bots are saying. And you can tell a mile away when something does that versus when somebody's really talking from their soul. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're big proponents, obviously, here in, in the profitable podcasting world and here on the show, Cashing on Camera, talking about networking, right? This idea of building connections. And I just really believe that as we move into Web3, we graduate into the next evolution of Web, too, is that we're going to be looking more toward connections and network and who do you know and who do you have access to rather than the vanity metrics necessarily of social media, which we've just come through. So having said that, it really is that human connection. And the reason that the H2H really took off and really hit a nerve was because you just put words to something that I think we maybe all internally were feeling. It's like, yes, that's it, Brian. It's H2H. Right. Mm -hmm. And this idea of going back to the basics of connection and human connection, but the competitive advantage that's right under all of our noses is really us as human beings. So what are ways that we could unlock those competitive advantages, those ways that we can be unique and that are not as easily replicatable by other people? How can we really truly unlock those, I guess, those facets of ourselves? There's three different things that I talk about in the book, and I st still stand true in what unlocks those things. And really, you can take this as an individual, as a person, or as a brand, whichever way you want to identify with this. The first one is simplicity. 
Simplicity is something that, you know, when you look at a, it, let's just take it from a brand standpoint. When you look at a brand that that is simplistic in nature, you totally get them. You understand them. It's not very difficult to understand what they do, how they do it, how they deliver it, and what you get out of it. What is the maximum in, input or output of what it is that you need or desire? And it, they deliver on that promise. The simplicity of it is just so hard to come by these days, especially now that we make things so complex. Acronyms, oh my God, there are more acronyms in this world than we know what to do with. And I'll go through the second two really fast. The second one is empathy. Empathy is a skill set or a, like a muscle that we can build. Now, what brand or what individual actually shows that they have empathy for another? human or another customer or another person out there, it, whether it's through customer service or other things that really resonate in seeing that happens, like empathy can come through. We can love or hate Amazon, but they return everything. And that to me is empathetic to the customer. Now, what we can go after Amazon as a company or but there's a lot of different things. But one thing we do know is that they won't ask questions and they will take everything back. That to me is a Nordstrom story to go way, way back about people that just don't question you. They just do that. And that's really hard to come by these days. The third one, the final one is imperfection. And imperfection allows us to celebrate the true humanity of life, who we are and what we actually bring to the table, which is our own terminal uniqueness. And so as we celebrate the imperfections of companies, like if you look at Dove, Dove celebrates the skin of others and the imperfections of skin. And then you look at nonprofits or you look at, um, God help us, the airlines right now, man, they are facing a difficult time. Now, yeah. do we celebrate the imperfections or do we not? And so that's going to be up to us and the question that we ask of ourselves. Right now, I think we could celebrate the imperfection of the staff that are trying to deal with all that. They're sitting on the front lines of their airlines. So we can celebrate and have empathy for them because they didn't have anything to do with it. So there's a lot of different ways that we can see simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. But when you put all three together and you build it into one brand or one person and how you interact, it changes the game. We're not organizing it anymore around, are you doing social media? Are you on LinkedIn? How are you email and what's your email marketing like? And all the different marketing and sales tactics. Yes, they all serve a point and we need purpose for each one of those. But what is making them more human in each of those different channels. Start there and then move to the channel. I love that. I think the pieces that you just mentioned around social media, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, the social media strategies, like those are all tactics that you can use. I should say tactics. I feel like what you just described, this idea of simplicity, empathy, and imperfection is really an overarching strategy or a lens through which to see those tactics be it social media or your sales process or whatever your offer building, whatever it is that you're doing. But I love that we're talking about really, I think more on the emotional human side, but more on the emotional side on the feelings that we can evoke in some of those tactics that we might employ as we market ourselves. Absolutely. You know, emotions, God willing that we all have emotions and actually express them 
in ways that we never would on a public channel or in a marketing channel or a sales channel. And there's six different emotions that Paul Ekman describes. The interesting thing about emotions is when you express them outwardly over any marketing sales, whatever, or keynote, whatever you're about to express through are even those six emotions are interesting because, and I'll save you the time of reading his 25 page report and boil it down to one thing, which is that when you have one emotion, call it joy, surprise, angst, or disgust, anger, each of those different emotions, when you put them out are you're more likely than not to have reciprocity in that same emotion. Now, when I tell you a story, just think about it. That story is either sad or happy or joyful. Your immediate reaction is probably to celebrate in that same emotion. And so we are reciprocal in nature for the most part, not all the time, but for the most part. And so knowing that, how can we vary the color of our lives and our marketing in general to be able to show the flavor of who we are and how we can express ourselves across the internet. I wonder if in your experience of say the last five years, maybe 10 years in your observation, do you think that business owners are doing a better or a worse job of humanizing their businesses? Well, I think we know the answer. Thank you for the softball. It's really bad right now. It's gone from good to bad to worse. I mean, you remember when we were getting on social media and everybody was having this almost emotional outcry. It was like this, here's who I am and I'm free to think and be who I am and I celebrate that. And now it's just like if we are guarded and we're so protected and it's becoming like even more so than ever. And so are we now also humanizing what we do from a brand standpoint, less and less because we're trying to get speed to feed. We're trying to go faster. We're not trying to go slower. We're trying to do more. We're trying to do quantity. I mean, I've seen now chat GPT exporting to a spreadsheet that's automatically pushing to Twitter so that people can crank out blogs or tweets or whatever as fast as possible. And is that human on one end? No. Is it human on the other end in terms of what we see? It starts to look like it. And yet the soul is there our human soul is getting disrupted in terms of what we want and so how do we become more of that is by slowing down and taking a fresh break and looking at everything and going okay now how do we stand out and the way that we stand out is just knowing that being human is actually your competitive advantage it's like when we got direct mail all of a sudden cut off i mean that was the last time we got a thank you note in the mail and now you know we get email well, guess what? Maybe it's time to go back and do direct mail again because we might be the only ones that stand out in the universe of the mail carrier system and actually sending somebody a basket of something neat with actually a personalized note that says, hey, thinking about you. That would I wouldn't gotten one of those for a long time. So those kinds of things are really unique. And if we take a step back and looking at what can make us more competitive in being more human, that's the ticket. Yeah, I agree I, I, with everything you said. I love that the speed to feed because we've almost done a disservice for ourselves in the past, you know, say 10 years of trying to get so much content. And we have had guests on the show to talk about the quantity versus quality. Absolutely agree with you. It's like there's this rush to get quantity out there, but then we're losing the human side of it. And now as a result of that, you're being a human being and being able to stand out as a result of doing things that 
we've moved away from, which is sending something in the mail, sending someone a short little video message on your messaging app, for example, instead of it just being a canned, say, response or having something automated. You know, I feel like this automation piece that we've been all kind of privy to in the last while has almost done us a disservice. But on the positive side, it can also be a competitive advantage mm -hmm. if you recognize it. And then you start saying, okay, how could I simplify? How could I be more empathetic? And how can I leverage my imperfections to be able to be more human? Amen. Amen. Woo! I need to, I need to interview you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, let's come up with some ideas. So, I mean, obviously sending something in the mail, that's something that I do receive from time to time. But I'll tell you that when I do receive a card in the mail, or sometimes I receive gifts from prospects or clients or whatever, it just makes me feel a certain way. And many of them, I keep them because I'm like, oh, it's so special to me. It stands out. So sending things in the mail, I think video messages or audio messages, multimedia type messages are a great way to build up. Are there some other ideas and things that you can think of that we might be able to do to humanize that connection more? Oh my gosh, it's endless. It really is. Just take a step out and look at each person individually and know that the thing that they want to receive is the thing that helps them to be seen. And it's not always something that costs money. It's something that actually had thought put into it. If you put thought into something that you deliver, it doesn't matter what it is. That goes for like over the holidays, my son gave me a book that he wrote out or filled out. It was over 40 pages of things that he remembered members about me he gave one to his mom my wife as well and he sat and actually took time and filled out all these different details and things of what he remembered growing up and what he connected into and his first memory and all these different things that just brought me to tears and i think it's the greatest gift i've ever received from a family member and it didn't cost him a ton of money it cost him a ton of time that is the kind of thing that you can do with another person where when you put that thought into it that's the thing they remember because everybody has one thing in common and that's that they all want to be seen if you help share whatever it is that they want out of that then they're going to remember that moment and those are the moments that we live and die by i mean brands i hope you're listening like stop mass mailing i mean look at just your top 10 percent of your people that are standing at the rooftops shouting your name out already and just reward them with something that's around being seen if you have a real difficult time with that then walk over to a whiteboard and plot out everything that you're doing in your marketing and take a step back and just say where are we having more human moments and how can we have more plot maybe one or two out and try that out and see what happens i think that's a great action step that anyone listening or watching could do is i have a whiteboard actually behind the camera right now i'm looking at it thinking i'm gonna wipe all that off and i'm gonna just do exactly what brian just said you know put it all out there and just look at it and say how can i be more human in any of these facets of my business I think that is a great action plan that we can leave our viewer and listenership with today. Brian, I want to give you an opportunity to send people to your website. So please tell us where we can reach out. Oh, thank you so much. It's really difficult. I made it difficult, everyone. It's briankramer.com. <laughs> Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. It's funny. I was talking to my dad the other day and I actually said that Brian with a Y. He's like, Brian, I named you. So yeah, I have the funky spelling of Brian with a Y. And so yeah, you can go there. You can sign up for my newsletter. I reply back to anybody that hits reply to any of my newsletters. And also if you tweet me or go on social media, who would I be if I'm not replying back as the human guy? So definitely make sure you do that. That's brilliant. Last thing, we have a little segment we do called Stop Marketing Like It's 1999. 
And I would love to know from you, what is a tip, tool, tactic, or technique that's helping you to market yourself and your business that's working for you? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I'm utilizing is to market myself in my business is, so I'm a storyteller. I love to create dialogue. And so there's actually two things that I love doing. One is that I actually got onto Substack over the holidays and I'm really enjoying, aside from my newsletter that I do bi-monthly on Substack, I'm doing a daily and it's just a paragraph and it's just a daily thought. It's actually at briankramer.substack. Thank you. I'm getting too mixed up in all my channels. And it's just been a pleasure because I'm actually talking about just one little thing and it's around unique observations or things that I see and how we can be more human and create more. And just doing that one thing, I'm getting more engagement and more likes and not just that they likes matter, but more people coming back and saying, oh, I love this, this is great. And it's a joy for me to do because I get a chance to actually write more. I love writing. Uh, and then the other one is just getting on and doing these kinds of things. The activity of engaging with another human being and sharing in time and with you right here is my top two favorite things to do. Yeah. Again, human to human, H to H. And I think you also have on here, shareology. So obviously an author, a thought leader in this space and someone that we appreciate being on cashing on camera today to share your thoughts on the competitive advantage. It's literally right under your nose. And it has to do with you being a human being and injecting more humanity into your business. So Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate your insights. Thank you. I really appreciate all the great questions and the time and just a joyful moment. Thank you. You're welcome. This podcast features curated audio originating from live video interviews simulcast on social media. You can catch full video episodes at Cheryl Plouffe and on my YouTube channel. To learn how we can help you use video to grow your business, visit CherylPlouffe.com. Remember, you can send us a voicemail question or suggestion for inclusion in the show from our main podcast page. Cashing on Camera is a production of Cheryl Plouffe Media.